Well, this is neat. Oh, we, I like neat. We do a uh, morning show, you and I, Darren. And I guess what we do is take the best parts of that morning show, the top five things, uh-huh. as it were, yeah. and we present them here in our podcast. Well, that's weird. And we invited all these people to listen to it. It's not weird. It's kind of weird. It is. You know, when you think about it, it is weird. Do you ever listen to it? I have. It's troubling. Hmm. Now I'm not sure I want to do it. Too bad. It's already done. Well, welcome to the top five things. That's true, I guess. The, I guess we're just presenting The stuff cake is baked. We've already done. So there's nothing you can do about it. <laughs> okay. Well, here they are, presented for you uh, the only thing one you, to five. The only thing you, the only thing you can do mm-hmm. is not listen to it. Well, but don't do that. We've made the cake, and now we're going to serve it in five delicious slices. We hope you enjoy. And maybe more. We'll get started with number one. Number one. Number one. Number one. 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 Number one. Tell me everything you know about the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. He's an egg, right? <laughs> well, it's interesting. That's the first thing that you come up with. That's the first thing all of us come up with is Humpty Dumpty is an egg. But why is he an egg? Yeah, why? They never say he was an egg. We just assume that he was. Sat on a wall. Yeah, Humpty Dumpty. Who decided Humpty Dumpty was an egg? Well, Holly Bourne tweets, Who decided Humpty Dumpty was an egg? It's not in the lyrics. And deciding he's a giant egg is quite a random leap for someone to make. And everyone else being like, yeah, giant egg on a wall, of course. There's nothing in the the you lyrics or the... together again. Right, all the king's horses and all the things. But they don't say he was an egg. They, they don't explain he's a broken egg and you can't put a broken egg back together again. Humpty Dumpty, always, always depicted as an egg, usually wearing a, a, a bunch of, like, uh, booty shorts... In the original nursery rhyme, his, his appearance is never mentioned. It was Alice in Wonderland author Lewis Carroll who first suggested that Humpty Dumpty could be an egg, apparently. Well, he would know. He had, a, he, and he, he had that theory in Through the Looking Glass where there's an illustration of Humpty as an egg. Oh, Humpty. With human faces. Pronounced with an umpty. And skinny little legs. <laughs> yeah, he's always got those little tiny little legs. That I don't know. <laughs> Not proportionate to his frame at all. I don't know that he could actually even get up on a wall like that. Did somebody put him there? There is a theory that Humpty Dumpty was not even a person. That Humpty Dumpty was a giant cannon that fell off a wall mm, and smashed to pieces. I gotcha. Yeah. In fact, uh, the, the, the tourist board in Colchester over in England will say that's, that's what happened. Although, there are some who say that that's not the case. Some suggest that Humpty Dumpty could be about King Richard III, depicted in the Shakespeare play as a uh, humpback, right? Others point out that Humpty Dumpty is a slang term in the 17th century for an ale that's boiled with brandy, meaning that old Humpty could just be somebody who uh, was drunk and, and fell. But then why are you getting the... 
the king's horses and the king's men involved. It's very confusing. I think it might be the cannon. That makes, uh, I guess, a bunch of sense, but why would you call a cannon Humpty Dumpty? Well, you got to name it something. (laughs) (laughs) Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. It's a cannon that was used during the English Civil War. It was destroyed by cannonballs, fell into a marshland, and they could never repair it. But somehow, the guy who did... We think it's an egg with tiny little legs. <laughs> tiny little legs and is a, right. And a goofy look on his face. Right. Yeah, he always... He does always seem... Not weird. a lot of hair. <laughs> no hair. No Humpty Dumpty never has hair, right? Little bow tie? Always with the bow tie. Yes. <laughs> Humpty Dumpty popularized in the United States on Broadway by actor George L. Fox in a pantomime music called Humpty Dumpty. The show ran from 1868 until 1869, dudes. Mm-hmm. What a fun show that would be to go and see. 69, dudes! A total of 483 performances. It became the longest-running Broadway show. Hump. You like a show, kids? Kids, I'm going to sing in an egg costume for you an like hour. That? <laughs> it's Broadway. <laughs> there are more lyrics to it. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. Four-score men and four-score more could not make Humpty Dumpty where he was before. Oh, wow. You kids will be in pieces at the end of this thing. (laughs) You're going to love this show, I tell you. It's a whirlwind of emotions. You're going to see me sit on a wall. It's going to be a whole thing. I'm going to take a fall. (laughs) No one will be admitted after the Humpty Dumpty fall. (laughs) Buy your tickets early. We'll sell you the whole seat, but you'll only need the edge. (laughs) This Humpty Dumpty falls off a wall. It's going to be something else, kids. No one is seated after (laughs) Humpty Dumpty falls. (laughs) Sorry, we can't let you in. The egg has fallen off of the wall. And now it's on to the sequel where he gets busy in a Burger King bathroom. I can't feel my legs! (laughs) Here he is as Humpty Dumpty. Oh, no. That is is the stuff of nightmare fuel. Sure is. Yeah. He's very much... He's like, he looks like Vincent Price as the Eggman in the old Batman show. Oh. What are you doing? Did you see that Nicolas Cage wants to be Eggman in the new Batman movie? Is he a vampire in a movie? Yeah, he's Dracula in he's a new Dracula. movie that's coming out called Renfield, which looks great, actually. Yeah. I think Nicolas Cage as a vampire makes the most sense. Sure. I'd rather watch that than watch George L. Fox dance around Broadway in a 
Humpty Dumpty costume. How long? How long was the show? I wonder. How mo- how long do you have to sit and watch? Doesn't sound like it should take long. <laughs> no, like this. <laughs> it's not much. Here I go, kids. <laughs> watch this, kids. I suppose you could like build in a slide <laughs> to make it look like he's. <laughs> he just keeps falling down. You think I could do it again, kids? You could have like a minor league baseball team that are called the Humpty Dumpties, and every time someone hits a home run, Humpty falls. That's great. You put Humpty on a wall, yeah, and then when they hit a home run, he just he comes sliding down. That's not bad. So have Humpty Dumpty, but he's in like a baseball uniform. He's a big egg. Does he sit on like the outfield yeah, wall? He's out on Does the he outfield. fall onto the field? <laughs> <laughs> now you're talking. And they just drag him off the field by his legs. <laughs> now, like, kids are screaming. <laughs> he's already dead. He's dead. Stop. Stop hitting home runs. (laughs) It's the Krusty Burglar. Oh, my God. He's stealing all the burgers. Why, you little... I shot you. It's all just just an act. Stop. Stop. He's already dead. Take that, Humpty. Just, just, everybody's just so concerned for Humpty Dumpty. But then he's got to get back on the wall because get, there's gotta, a new batter. I got to get myself together. Maybe there's two Humpty Dumpties. They just keep them in rotation. And they don't get along. Oh, my God. This is going to be the best. If there's a minor league team I, called the Eggs. Hi, kids. <laughs> The Dumpties. The Dumpties. A hump, <laughs> hump, a hippity hump. Now you're talking. Uh-huh. Who wouldn't want to see that? I'm, I'm all in. I'm weekend, Humpty. <laughs> He's got, you've got like a team of them. I'm Saturday night, Humpty. I'm travel, Humpty. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, yeah. I'm the road, Humpty. <laughs> I'm weekday, Humpty. That's my job. <laughs> I get to go. I do all the matinees. Uh-huh. Matinee Humpty at the ballpark. Uh-huh. Now, now you're I'm talking. I'm the businessman special, Humpty. <laughs> Swings. There it goes. It's heading into the left field, and that one's in the seats. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh-oh. Humpty's got to have a great fall. Cover your eyes, kids. Hey, if you don't want to see this. All right, stop what you're doing, because I'm about to ruin the image and the style. Oh, no. I look funny. But yo, I'm making money. money. So, yo, world, I hope you're ready for me. Now gather round. I'm the new fool in town, and my sound's laid down by the underground. I drink a bottle of Hennessy you got on your shelf. So just let me introduce myself. My name is Humpty. Humpty's got a bottle of Hennessy. <laughs> Hi, kids. 
He's got like a big giant big, overgrown giant. mitt in one hand yeah. and a bottle of Hennessy in the other. I mean, you can read the label from your seats. <laughs> no matter Eddie, Eddie, where Eddie, you're Eddie. sitting. No matter where you're sitting, you can read the Hennessy label. <laughs> it's so big. <laughs> I want this so bad. How do we make this happen? Uh-huh. Well, just Can we talk the River a, Bandits into a, maybe thinking about a Humpty Dumpty night? Yeah, get a hold of Heller. <laughs> the, the, uh, He'll do it. The Egg Council can put it on. <laughs> I would go to that game. Humpty Dumpty night at the old ballpark. Every time the Bandits hit a home run... Humpty Dumpty will fall off the wall onto the field. Oh, that's... And be dragged off <laughs> by the grounds crew using his lifeless legs. He's got two little X's for eyes now. Uh-huh. That's quite an elaborate costume. <laughs> it's all in the makeup, kids. <laughs> be careful. And they teach you at Humpty Dumpty school. Uh-huh. You don't want to fall on the bottle of Hennessy. No. <laughs> we won't be able to put you back together again. No. <laughs> two. 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 One in six people, according to a recent study, one in six have a hard time telling the left from their right. Getting left and right confused. Hmm. And I think I might be one of those one in six people. In what way? Well, in just it, I'll give you an example. Recently, uh, wife and I went out for dinner in downtown Davenport. Okay. We were going back to the parking garage, and there was a uh, a couple. Uh, there were two couples, uh, clearly from out of town, and they were looking for the restaurant that we had just left. Yeah. And they wanted uh, directions. And, and I, you didn't know which way to point them. Well, I thought I did. But I, I have to, like, if I'm giving directions, I have to do it, like, in my head. Like, I'm walking through, and I told them, okay, you're going to go down these stairs in the parking garage, then you're going to take a right, and then you're going to take uh, another right. And Jenny was like, you mean a left. Like, oh, my God, yeah, I, I did mean a left. Did I say? Like, I didn't even realize I'd said right twice. So I was going to send these people maybe you uh, like from to, out of town on a wild goose chase to find the restaurant. Maybe you like to send people on wild goose chases. <laughs> I don't think that's maybe my motive. Maybe that's what it is. I don't think I'm that sort of monster. It's it just, I know what I meant to say, but I said I said right, right when I meant to say left, or left when I meant to say right. And that, that, that happens to me a lot, where it's kind of... Um, it makes me anxious giving directions because I don't like to give directions. I, don't want to get... I can see that though. I can uh, I can actually see um that being a thing. Yeah. That I can see a number of people that are like I don't like to give directions. I have no problem talking to strangers. I have no problem uh, going in front of a, a room full of strangers. Uh, it's just giving strangers directions. That's a but that's a lot of pressure on me. It's like someone I, who gets left and right confused so easily. I know how to get there, but it might not be the right way to get there. <laughs> right. Well, it's like if if somebody is in my home and they want to if, if somebody is in my house for the first time, I'm like, hey, where's the bathroom? I feel like, oh, let me show you rather than just say it's right over there. 
or if I give them directions, like if we're in my kitchen, you, you know where the bathroom even, you is. You can't even give directions to a bathroom. I will send you into the closet rather than the bathroom. Because I just, I freak out. Is it well, an anxiety? This is know. where he said to go. I don't have a lot of anxiety about a lot of things, but giving directions for whatever I reason. I see giving directions being a bit of a thing for people. For some people, telling left from right is as easy as telling up from down. Yeah. But for a significant minority, one in six people struggle with the distinction between well, left then, and then, right. And I would imagine they, would, they wouldn't care for giving directions, I these think, people. I think if I'm being honest with myself, I would say that I'm probably one of those one in six people. Struggling. I struggle with left and right. That's like one of the most uh, dad things to say, right? Is, uh, no, your other left. No, your other right. To the right. No, your other right. <laughs> so if you're the quarterback for the football team. Oh, never. I mean, for just, a myriad of reasons, Darren, you know I could never be the quarterback. But let's just for the say that you team. are. Yes, let's say. And they draw up a play, mm -hmm. and then you break huddle. Mm -hmm. Are you going to run the, run the play the wrong direction? Yeah. I'll give you an example uh, from, my, from my life. Uh, comedy sports. Just did it again on Saturday night. You're either the red team or the blue team, mm -hmm. and you're supposed to go to either the left or right of the stage. Mm -hmm. And so help me, I've been doing it forever. I have to wait for the other people to make the move before I go, because I never know which side of the stage I'm supposed to go to. Even though it's been the same this entire time. I get very confused. Do you always confused. go to the right side? Do you always go to the left side? The red team is, and, and see, this is where it gets even more confusing. Do they change because the colors on it, you? Well, there's stage right and stage left. Well, yes, of course. Well, well, I mean, you say, of course, but then that's a whole other level of directions. Now it's like 3D chess in my brain, and I'm going to explode. So you always, if you're the red team, you know you're supposed to go to the left side of the stage. And if you're the blue team, you're supposed to go to the right side of the stage. Are you always the same color? No. Oh, you're not? No. Oh, well, then that does change things up a bit. But you would think that's not a lot to remember. It is. Red goes it's here. It's next to none. Right, right. But I'm telling you, that's the most anxious I'll get doing improv is, where am I supposed to sit? Okay, so let me say this. Mm -hmm. let, me, let me put this out there. Yeah. When are you doing comedy sports again? Uh, we don't, I don't have the... Uh, not this month. But let's say it's sometime in February. In a couple weeks. Maybe. I hope I'm, yeah, I hope couple I'm doing weeks, in February. Maybe. Yeah. So if people threw out some sort of suggestion about giving directions. Oh, it wouldn't be good. Mm. I wouldn't, know. I wouldn't be able to do that. Left-right discrimination is a complex process calling upon memory, language, visual, and spatial processing. Also something called mental rotation. Spatial relations, that's my bugaboo, man. Like, I can't figure that stuff out. Researchers are only now just beginning to the, get to the bottom of what exactly is going on in our brains when we are thinking about left and right. Let me ask and you And why this. it's so easy for some people and not easy for others. Yes. Let me ask you this. Okay. You're driving to a place. Mm -hmm. You don't really need to explain... Uh, how to get you're you're going if i'm driving there's no problem that's all intuitive and all inside my brain okay so then that's not going to you're not going to have a problem say because you're you're certainly not going to have a problem if you're driving somewhere and you're by yourself you're going to no, be fine no but, but what if you introduce somebody into the vehicle mm -hmm. are you now a little less sure as to how to get someplace very often. Yeah. And the more we're talking about this, the more I realize I am absolutely one of the one in six people that has problems with left, right. 
when I'm, I'm not, when I'm sitting shotgun and I'm navigating and my wife's driving, uh-huh. I'll be like, okay, you want to take a right up here? Yeah. And she'll be like, are you sure about that? <laughs> like, oh, no, it's a left. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, it's left. That's happened a hundred times if it's happened once. Stop navigating, because you're, what you're doing is not navigating. I know. I, it's you're, not throwing very a, you're throwing a wrench into things. Not very helpful. But if it's a place that you you know how to get there, but you don't go there all the time. Right. If you introduced somebody, mm-hmm. and maybe someone you don't even know, know that great, mm-hmm. would that throw you off it driving might, there? It might. It might. As I, opposed to if you're by yourself and you make a little mistake, what difference does it make? I read an article. Remember when we tried to get to the parade? Do you remember how lost we got? <laughs> That's right. Oh, gosh. That was, that was the worst because... We were trying to get to the Grand Parade, the St. Patrick's Day Parade. And things were blocked that typically wouldn't be blocked. Right. But we were just trying to... That wasn't entirely your fault. We were just trying to get from Davenport to Rock Island, and it was not easy because there was the run going on and and a bunch of... The KSI run was going on. Mm -hmm. But I just kept taking wrong turn after wrong turn after wrong turn. And what I remember particularly about that drive was... Uh, we had a, a four or five year old in the back seat. Owen wanted to punt. Who was just? He wanted to say, "That was the parade. We've had enough of you driving around. <laughs> that's that's good enough. Let's go home. This is stupid. You're never that, gonna get there. That's, this. Let's call what we did the parade." And I remember saying to you, "Thanks for being so patient with me, Darren." And you're like, "No, he's he's letting you he's, have the he, hard time. He, he's taking care of it for both of us." <laughs> No reason for me to chime in. This one back here is, is giving you the, enough raspberries for all of us. I read an article years ago, and it was about getting from one place to another and the differences between the male brain and the female brain. And the argument that they made in this piece was that men uh, tend to go by streets and directions. Like you take a left on 3rd Street, yeah, you'll go up for that. 18 blocks. You'll take a right on 53rd. Whereas women, this article suggested, yeah. go by landmarks. I think I'm more of a landmark person. Always been more of a landmark person. Take What's a, it by? Take a right at the Hardee's. What's exactly. it by? Exactly. I mean, it could very well be that I, I mean, if you tell me it's, you know, you turn right on Brady Street, I'm going to be able to handle that. Right. But do I know every street in the Quad Cities? No. Right. No. I don't. It's like, what's it by? Some individuals can tell right from left innately and just do it without thinking. Others have to go through a process. See, that's with that's I'm, it's not innate left and right. Should be. Yeah. When I was a little kid. I had uh, Winnie the Pooh uh, boots, galoshes, pants, and which uh, meant you didn't have any pants at all. And they had. I remember this. Uh, I was the only kid in my in my school that had these Winnie the Pooh galoshes. And right on the on the top of the shoe, uh-huh. it had a giant L and a giant R. Nice. So you knew which which shoe you were putting That's on. That's a good look. It was, and I would frequently show up to school with them on the wrong feet, even oh, though man. it said L or R on them. Which, I mean... Didn't they fit weird? What did I care? Did you have... Uh, maybe you had... Your feet were so little they hadn't even... Uh, <laughs> hadn't, t- hadn't, hadn't taken, taken the- shape... I was to, they were kind of like, uh, I wonder if people do have that. If you basically have, I don't really have left and right feet. <laughs> no. I, I just have two feet. Yeah, right, they're like the a, same. Like a child drew my feet. They're, they're the same. 
People have to have that, right? I'm guessing. That's like... I'm guessing. I've got, some, I've got something to share with you. Uh-huh. We're getting pretty serious here, and, <laughs> and I don't know if you've noticed yet, I don't have a right and left foot. I just have two feet that are just right down the middle. Participants in this study use various techniques for making an L shape with their thumb and index finger to thinking about which hand they use to write. Right. I remember that was a thing. They right. would say when you were a kid, if you write with your right, then you're left with your left. That's how you tell the difference between right and left. And I remember thinking, I'm never going to remember this. What? Right with your right and your left with your left. Okay. I think that's, I think I got that. Now, which hand do I write with? I don't remember. And Winnie the Pooh is going to be so mad at me. <laughs> I remember I was in kindergarten. It was in fifth. It was like five years old, right? And I remember uh, getting to school and my teacher being like, "How do you get these on the wrong feet when it says what foot you're supposed to put them on?" I'm like, because I don't my know. my big toe is in the middle of each foot. What a <laughs> look at him! <laughs> I've got I've got a big toe in the middle and. Pinky toes on both sides. I'm not smart, and I have weird feet. Now, can we take a nap and have a cookie already? What's going on about here? This could very well be the stupidest person on the face of the earth. Ever seen a big toe in the middle? I'm not dumb. I'm just not great with left-right. That's all. Yeah, this is especially troubling for surgeons, because there's... So many stories. Oh, yeah, you got you got to write that. You got to get that stuff right. Wrong sided surgery. Like there's a oh, whole category yeah. called wrong sided surgery where they take the wrong leg. Yeah. Oh no, you don't do that. Right. That will get you fired. <sighs> She's, yeah. One in six people struggle with left right. I mean, it's not that I. I'm I'm not puzzled with it all the time, but just so when, sweetie. when I have to use it in, in practice sometimes. It's so just... sweetie, we're so proud of you. How did your first surgery go? I took the wrong leg. <laughs> I, I, uh, I, mean, I, don't I made an incision on the wrong side of... Uh, uh, I, I drilled out the wrong nerve on the wrong side of the spinal column, and now he's paralyzed. Took off the wrong leg. And uh, then when I realized what I had done, I took the other leg, too. Uh, and it turns out I was in the wrong OR. I'd taken a wrong turn. Wasn't even, <laughs> wasn't even my patient. Oh, God. Uh, I tried to comp him. They say that it's possible that the guy who was in charge of steering the Titanic mm. turned the ship. He was supposed to turn it left, mm. but he turned it right. Mm. That they saw the iceberg, yeah. and the steersman was told, turn left. And he went right. And then your you know, left? Your other right. You know me. Uh, they, there is there is a, a, a seems like a we're theory going we're going closer to the thing now. That the Titanic sank because the steersman turned the ship right instead of left. Now, I would never volunteer to steer a ship. It's just not something I can do. There's plenty I can do on board. Not at night. <laughs> no. I'm telling you, that's not a job for me. Because if somebody says steer left or right, I'm, I could do it, but I'd have to really focus, which you probably should do if you're driving the Titanic at night. 
I'm assuming. If you get a, if you ever get a pilot's license, I don't think I'm going to fly with you. No, I would never dream of getting a pilot. Are you kidding me? Number three. 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 We did not get to this one. Uh, we were so busy yesterday talking about Gina Lola Brigida. And Humpty Dumpty. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, 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 bum. And another one gone. And another one gone. Another one bites the dust. Hey. He's gonna get you too. Another one bites the dust. Evil Knievel's son, Robbie Knievel, died. Yeah, but he's been dead. Who? Robbie Knievel. How long has he been dead? Like a week. It happened on Friday. Okay. That's why I said we didn't get to it yesterday. Now, he didn't perish in Snake River Canyon. No. That was the first thing I thought when I read the headline that Robbie Knievel had died. I thought, well, what misadventure has he run into? I didn't see any of his... uh, death-defying jumps on Fox. <laughs> it's been a while since Robbie Knievel was getting any heat with live TV shows. You're right. Uh, so he had, he had cut that out? Died at the age of 60 <laughs> on Friday. Uh, there's an interview here. Uh, this is from 1983. So do the math. He would have been 20 then. Yeah, just a, a kid. Uh-huh. And this is now... Uh, he talk about how he just couldn't I, stand his dad. Just how much better he was than his dad. Oh, I'm just so much better than this clown. Quote, hell, by the time I was a high school sophomore, I was jumping bikes better than my dad. That's right. Give it to him. Uh, Robbie Knievel rode a mini bike, a uh, mini cycle for the first time in Evil's shows when he was four years old. He should have called himself the Bow Weevil. I'm Robbie Bow Weevil Knievel. <laughs> Take that, Dad. Loser. Quote, the only way I can make a name for myself is to do everything he did and do him one better, and I won't quit until I do. Yeah. At the age of, well, let's see, he was a teenager here. He was jumping 15 cars and two vans at a California show. With just, and that was just from a, a dead stop with his feet. <laughs> a running start. <laughs> he would just. He would run up a ramp and carry the bike. Yeah. Evil Knievel, not thrilled at his son's bluster, mm. insisting that no one could ever topple his well, records. Well, it was the same way with Jack Cassidy and David Cassidy. That's what it seems like. This might be a better movie. Evil and Robbie Knievel? Robbie the Bow Weevil Knievel. Mm-hmm. Evil telling uh, the National Enquirer whenever they would do a story on Robbie Knievel's death-defying stunts. Evil says here, quote, I thought I was Superman even when I was hurt, but I did what a motorcycle jumper should have done, and now there's no room left for anyone else. Break every bone in my body. After all the tears, I've asked Robbie Knievel not to risk his life. What good is it to gain notoriety after you're dead? Robbie's mother and I pleaded with him to finish high school, but he quit, and now he doesn't even have a trade. Most kids Robbie's age are half-wits. I don't mean that in a derogatory way. I think you do. It's just that he'll think differently when he's older. Now, Evil lived longer than 60, right? Yeah, Evil can Evil died in 2014. And all he did for the, like, the last 40 years of his life, uh-huh. complain about how much pain he was in. <laughs> it's, it's like, well, yeah. Cha! Cha, you break your back five times, you'd, uh, it might hurt later on. Evil Knievel broke 422 bones. 
Do we over even, the course of his do career, do we even of, have that many? Well, I mean, obviously you you had to. You have to break he broke, bones. He broke other people's bones. He broke his back alone seven times. Seven times he broke his back. Seven times he broke you, his back. I don't see how you do that. No. Robbie insisted on becoming a professional daredevil. So Evil was forced to come out of retirement to manage his son's career. But the two of them had constant business arguments. And Robbie Knievel would strike out on his own. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Now, Evil... We've seen all the crashes, or we've seen crashes before yes. with, with evil. Yes. They're famous, uh-huh. famous crashes over the uh, the fountain at Caesar's Palace and all that business. Uh-huh. When he crashed, they say that he broke 422 different bones. Did he ever, when he crashed, ever like run into somebody else and break somebody else's arm or leg. Oh, that's interesting. Not only did I break 420... Some of those weren't mine. Any spectators get taken out? Any spectators that were like in the first row (laughs) get taken out. And Evil Knievel broke my ankle. And this is the thing. He's breaking all these bones. He's doing all of this without any insurance whatsoever. 1971, he told Dick Cavett, I have trouble getting life insurance. Accident insurance, hospitalization, even insurance for my automobile. Lloyd's of London has rejected me 37 times. Why would you keep asking? Yeah, we're not going to insure. The answer is no. (laughs) Why would we insure this? We think what you're going to do is a bad idea. At one point, he wanted to jump over the Mississippi River. Oh. I know. God, now that would have been something for a young kid to see. If Evil Knievel had jumped the Mississippi River, uh huh, he wouldn't have done it here. Probably not. <laughs> now you're, now you're talking. Snake River Canyon, he tried to jump over. Not, not really though. No, just kind he, of he, fell he into it. He pulled the plug pretty quick. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not telling anybody how to do their job. <laughs> yeah. But if they strap you to a rocket, <laughs> you should be able to make it. <laughs> it really it really should be like uh, a, a cinch. 1977, Evil Knievel was scheduled to make a major jump in Chicago. He was going to jump over a shark. Knievel was scheduled to jump over a tank full of live sharks that would be televised nationally. However, during rehearsal, Knievel lost control of the motorcycle and crashed into a cameraman. There you go. Although Knievel broke his arms, he was more distraught over what he claimed was a permanent eye injury to the cameraman, Thomas Green. So he broke the orbital bone of a cameraman. The cameraman was admitted to the hospital and received treatment for an injury near his eye, but received no permanent injury. The footage of the crash was so upsetting that Evil Knievel said he would not show the clip ever until 19 years later when the documentary Absolute Evil, the Evil Knievel story came out. So the answer is Later yes. that year, Fonzie would perform a similar trick on Happy Days, albeit on water skis, inspiring the creation of the phrase, Jump the Shark. So that's really Evil Knievel's idea. It was his idea, but he ran into the cameraman. So, yes, to answer your question, 
He has taken other people out. He did injure people that were not just himself. But when you, I mean, 422 broken bones and breaking your back seven times. I just don't know how any of this I don't see works. how that's even humanly possible. 1968, Evil attempted to jump the fountain at Caesar's Palace in Las Vegas. That landed him in a coma for a month. And that, and that was a month before the jump. Then in 1989, <laughs> Robbie Knievel, the son, says, I'm going to do that jump over the fountain at Caesar's Palace, and I'm going to make it. And he did. And Evil never forgave him for doing it. Robbie explaining in an interview before his death, quote, he never wanted anyone to surpass him. For years, it seemed like my dad was pushing me off like I was his competitor. Wow. That's, so that's, that's what caused the riff. Don't do Caesar's Palace. That's my greatest failure. Wow, I'm going to do it, old man. I'm gonna, <laughs> my greatest I'm going to do it. Years of arguments. Robbie saying, I'd been jumping my bike since I was tiny, but he didn't want me to follow in his footsteps. I mean, when you have your kid racing around on a, on a little tiny bike when he's at your show and he's four years old, what did you think the kid was going to do? Exactly. I, if I were Evil Knievel, I wouldn't Rod? let my kid ride a skateboard. Have you not seen Hot Rod? <laughs> so I'm guessing that Evil would have jumped over a shark at like the Shedd Aquarium because there are not a lot of sharks in Chicago. Last time I checked. That must have been something they were planning on doing at the aquarium or something, right? Why would you... I'm going to jump Ernie Banks. <laughs> From one bank to the other bank. No, it's er, no, no Ernie, Ernie Banks is a person. What? <laughs> we, did, we did not, did do, not. do the necessary research. <laughs> <laughs> we thought we were jumping from one bank to the next uh, the other bank. <laughs> I did not look this all the way through. Uh, well, that's... He's a what? Baseball player. Hmm. Let's do two. I'll jump him twice. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, I want to know where the where in the Mississippi River was Evil Knievel going to jump? Well, my suggestion would be northern Minnesota. <laughs> yeah, right. That's that's where you do it. Number four. 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 Chelsea Handler, the comedian, mm -hmm. uh, made a startling admission the other night on the Jimmy Fallon Tonight Show. Mm -hmm. And listen, I think that all of us, I know I'm certainly guilty of this. Uh, there are things that you learn later in life, and when you learn them, you can't believe that everyone else knows them. Uh, my, I think, most infamous example in the time that we've been together was it was I was a, a very much a grown adult man uh -huh. when I realized that shrimp cocktail <laughs> was not a cocktail that had a shrimp in it. It was not an alcoholic drink. Yeah, I thought shrimp cocktails were something that you could get drunk on until I was, what, late 30s, early 40s? Let's say mid 40s. <laughs> no, no. It was, it's been forever. It's been forever. But I was under the impression that a shrimp cocktail and see, when you was an said alcoholic that, and drink. And when you said that, I thought you were joking. No. 
No, I wasn't. No. So I'm I'm mentioning that because Had I you know. Have ever seen cocktail sauce before, though? Yeah. Well, it's called cocktail sauce. And what did you? Uh, what did I you just see pictured it, it being for? like I pictured it was like a martini, but instead of an olive, there yeah. was a shrimp in well, it. Well, who knows? Someone probably does do that. But you and the listeners have never let me forget that that is something. You that, never stop bringing it up. <laughs> well, I'm bringing it up. I, I think probably to be uh, preemptive here, yeah. Because I'm about to tell you something Chelsea Handler has admitted to it—a discovery that she made while on safari with her sister in Africa. And we, th- this is something that we probably know. Well, I don't know, Darren. Uh, how old were you when you figured out that the sun and the moon are not the same thing? Because Chelsea Handler was Chelsea Handler was forty years old when she discovered that the sun and the moon are not the same thing. Is this breaking news to other people that are listening now? Uh, Well, I imagine. I guess it has to be. Is it possible that someone is going? Wait, it's not. It's what? Uh, Here is Chelsea Handler. She went on the Tonight Show with oh, Jimmy boy, Fallon to explain funny. how uh, she thought that the sun and the moon were the same thing until she was forty years old and went on this safari with her sister. All right, you, you talk about uh, family, you talk, but you, very, you poke fun at yourself uh, a lot in the special. Uh, I told you some jokes that I love uh, backstage, but can you explain the one where you went to Africa? Well, okay, the reason why, I'm very outspoken about not wanting to be a parent because I don't think I have the skills that, you know, that I'm not equipped with what it takes to answer all of those questions Uh um, to children because they don't just ask you once, they come in and in and in. I have enough nieces and nephews to know that I don't have the tolerance for that kind of line of questioning about Uh things that I really don't even know the answers to. And at a certain age, when you don't know, you know, the answers to questions, it's too embarrassing to ask questions, you know? You just have to pretend you know. And um, I talk about a story that I didn't know, and this is true, I didn't know until I was 40 years old that the sun and the moon were not the same thing. I find this hard to believe, but what are you talking about? It was, I was shocking to me as well. I mean... Well, of course, it must have been more shocking to you. I was like, I was in Africa, we were on safari, my sister and I were riding an elephant, and there was a man riding an elephant for us, because we don't know how to ride an elephant. Yeah. And my older sister, Simone, looked up at the, at the, at the, the sky, and she said, Chelsea, Chelsea, look up. It's not often you get to see the sun and the moon at the same time. Yeah. And I was like, looking, I was like Scooby-Doo. I'm like, I said, and I go, wait, I go, but they're always together. And as soon as I said that, she turned around, she goes, what did you say? And I was like, oh, shut up, shut up, shut up. I'm like, I knew what I said was wrong. Giddy up, elephant. I was like, let's canter. Is that what an elephant does? Oh, my God. And she looked at me, she goes, I need you. And I just tried to gloss over it. I was like, never mind what I said. I know. And she said, no, I need you to tell me what you think is happening between the sun and the moon. (laughs) And I was like, honestly, I just assumed when the sun went down, it popped back up as the moon, you know? (laughs) The little costume change. (laughs) Like, is that not what's happening? The man riding the elephant spoke no English and went (laughs) (laughs) And he's just like another dumb American, you know? Oh, So the sun is the moon at night. Uh, That's like it's night clothes. The sun, the sun, the turns, sun puts on its sun, pajamas, sun and is, we call it the, the moon. S- the sun is not so bright at night, but it's the moon. Yes, the sun 
and the moon turns it are the same thing. <laughs> That's what Chelsea Handler thought. So, the until sun she was in her forties. Is the night time? <laughs> it's a moon. That when the sun goes down, it pops back up as the moon. That they're, they're, she was forty years old when she discovered that they were not the same thing. How can the sun and the moon be out at the same time? Uh, you should not feel. You should not feel bad about shrimp cocktail. By the way, the sun and the moon are out at the same time all the time. Yeah, that's not that unique. No, you can see the moon and the sun at the same time. Yeah, plenty. You don't have to go to Africa for that. <laughs> you don't have to be on an elephant. I for think that. both of these women are. But yeah, she was 40 years old when she discovered, mm. much to her shock, on the top of an elephant, the sun and the moon are not, in fact, the same thing. And if you're learning that now for the very first time, you're taking your first steps into a much larger world this morning. And we're not here to shame you. But we are here to shame Chelsea Handler. And if you are just uh, figuring that out, <laughs> pretend like you knew it. Yeah, don't tell anyone that that's... Stupid! You're so stupid! Don't, don't tell anyone that that's something you thought until recently. Unless you're listening to the show and you're under the age of three. In which case, please explain to your parents that you need better supervision. Five. 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 There's a subreddit we check in and on from time to time where people ask other people, strangers mm -hmm. on Reddit, if they're in the wrong. Did I do something uh, wrong or am I in the right here? Am I a jerk? Now that I think about this. Mm -hmm. More often than not, we find that these people are not jerks because jerks don't really have the switch in their brain that has them wondering if their behavior was a jerky the thing capacity. to do. The capacity. Right, that's the word, the capacity. Am I a jerk for not making extra pancakes for my niece? I just don't know about sweating this one. I woke up at 5 o'clock in the morning craving pancakes while on vacation with my in-laws so I decided to quickly make myself and my son some pancakes, since we were the only ones awake at that time, yeah. besides my husband, who does not eat pancakes. My sister-in-law's daughter came downstairs just as my son was finishing up and started crying because there were no more pancakes for her. Uh -huh. I did try to comfort her, but I've had really bad morning sickness after I eat, and I was starting to feel sick. So I had to take her to her parents who were still sleeping. Long story short, my sister-in-law was upset. I only made pancakes for myself and my son when there were others in the house who also needed to eat breakfast. She said I was being selfish, and I should have known my niece would have wanted pancakes too, so I could have made extra just in case. So am I the jerk here? Now you have morning sickness, or you... How many pancakes did you eat? Well... Yeah. And once you got kind of like the pancake machine going, uh huh. what kind of trouble is it to make a few more pancakes? This is the rare case where everyone is saying you're a jerk because who can make pancakes for only two people? Like when you make pancakes, it's you make... Typically you make more pancakes than you need. Always. Almost always. 
If you're using Bisquick, if you've got it going, uh-huh. if you've got it happening, uh-huh. but okay, if you've got morning sickness though, cooking's probably not a fun thing to do. But what do you have morning sickness from? Well, she's pregnant. Does she say she's pregnant? Well, that's what. Or morning... does she just overeat in the morning? No, morning sickness means that you're pregnant. Okay. You, you're not just somebody who gets sick in the morning. That would be a, not, that would be a stretch. I'm not, I'm not every con- morning I eat so much I feel sick. Well, I call it morning sickness. I'm not convinced <laughs> that that's not what's going on here. <laughs> oh, I made a dozen pancakes. Everyone piling. I on. had eleven, and my son had one. <laughs> Everyone else piling on here, saying there's no way you can make just enough pancakes for two people. I mean, t- that, that would be essentially, what, four pancakes? Yeah, I'm guessing. I I don't know. Every time I make pancakes, it's for three people, and there's always pancakes left over. Usually. Uh, so I would have assumed that everyone would have said, don't sweat it, it's not your kid. They can feed their own kid. Well, I'm sure the kid is going to eventually get fed. That's- mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I didn't get any pancakes. Yeah, well, life's tough. Does she say she's pregnant here? In a... She says she has morning sickness, Darren. You only have morning sickness if you're pregnant. Or if you eat a bunch of pancakes. No, that's not what morning sickness is. Being sick in the morning is not morning sickness. Morning sickness is something that women who are pregnant deal with sometimes. Oh, I got that morning. Well, you know. If you wake up and you're not feeling great, you don't have morning sickness. You're sick in the morning. What if you eat like one of those tenderloins from the uh, vending machine? I've I've been there and I've seen you do this. And I will say it's what you went through was remarkably similar to the symptoms of morning sickness. Same symptoms. However, you did not have morning sickness. You were sick in the morning. Yes. And you made a lot of the same noises. It was a it was very similar, but not the same. Am I a jerk for asking my girlfriend to change the time her alarm goes off? So me and my girlfriend live together and have for three years now. Uh-huh. I'm a light sleeper while she can sleep through the storming of Normandy or Pearl Harbor. Okay, let's take it easy with the, uh, <laughs> with the historical references. <laughs> let's, let's not... It does seem incredibly, incredibly insensitive to the the, sacrifices that were made on the beaches of Normandy or at Pearl Harbor. Yeah. In the last two years, she's transitioned into a career field that put her in the same company, though a different building, as me for work, and we share the same schedule. Okay. Due to this, we have to wake up about an hour and a half early for work together because we will like to take care of our dogs, take them for a walk, Go potty, playtime, and feeding versus when we used to have opposite schedules and share responsibilities more in the way I had them in the evening and she would take care of the morning. Yeah. The issue is now my girlfriend sets her alarm earlier than mine, yeah. but literally never wakes up to it, leaving uh, me to wake up without her getting up as well as she'll hit the snooze button multiple times. That's a neat trick. Which then leaves me to take both of our dogs alone and I lose sleep tr- I lose sleep that I was trying to get. I have asked her repeatedly, probably in the last two years more than a hundred times, to change her alarm 
to even 15 minutes later, which would still be earlier than the, her alarm with the snooze times. But she flat out refuses, saying I'm a selfish jerk for trying to infringe on how she wakes up. But to me, it feels like it infringes on me and my sleeping, as she has literally not once woken up to it. You know why that is? Because she is infringing on your sleep. I offered to even sleep in our other room on work nights so we can both have our alarms how we like them, but I was told I was a jerk for that, too. So, am I a jerk here? No. No. No, she is. Yeah. <laughs> Dropper. Figure out who gets what dog and move on. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> a hundred times you've asked and it's not happening? Yeah, I would sleep in another room, too. Yeah. I don't think it's up to... You don't have to ask her if it's okay to sleep in another room. No. I'm sleeping in another room because you suck at alarm clocks. <laughs> right. We both get up at the same time. Right. But you like to wake me up a half an hour early. Finally, Darren, am I a jerk for prioritizing my parrot over my stepdaughter's wedding? Can't wait to hear this one. So I'm the owner of a wonderful rescued macaw. She's a wonderful bird, but has a lot of issues due to an abusive former home. I've had her for three years, and since then, I haven't taken any vacations or trips away, as it would be too disruptive for her. She distrusts everyone and is very reliant on her routine. I love this bird deeply, and I'm happy to make sacrifices for her. They are permanent toddlers and very intelligent birds. I met my husband by the time his kids were older. My stepdaughter was 16 at the time. We married when she moved away for college. Nevertheless, I thought we'd managed to have a decent relationship. Until now, that is! My stepdaughter's getting married in March, and naturally, there's a lot of preparation involved. They're wanting a huge traditional wedding, and she is stressed out of her mind. They live out of state, and she invited me recently to come visit her for a week to help make wedding plans and spend time with their two-year-old. I declined. She insisted to know why, acting very hurt, and I explained, well, my parrot, and it all just went downhill from there. She caused a massive fuss with her dad, saying she never got a mother figure, and I never accepted her as my daughter, and this is the ultimate snub for a silly animal, that I'm cold and emotionless. I feel really hurt, and I can tell that he agrees with her, even though he's refusing to take sides. I don't see why I should be expected to take holiday time off of work to babysit and bond all of a sudden, and I don't see how I'm a monster for this. Am I a jerk here? What's your take? I can see not leaving an animal. Right? You can't leave the you can't leave a bird for a couple of days. You can't take the bird with you? Couldn't the bird like stay in the hotel room? Can you bring a bird into a room? Probably not, right? They have, do they have bird-friendly rooms? I know they have pet-friendly bird rooms. They got to, right? What are people's responses? Oh, they're piling on her. Are they? Yeah. Uh, to the point where she has an update here. She says, I'm beginning to think maybe it was a mistake posting this. <laughs> what do you mean? You're beginning to think. 
For some context on my relationship with my stepdaughter, we don't usually talk at all, and she hasn't visited home in over four years. I'm beginning to think that maybe it was a mistake posting this here, mostly because this is a real and nuanced situation, and Reddit is no place for nuance. And maybe personal relationships shouldn't be judged in this context in the first place. And you don't have anyone who could watch the bird for you? Well, remember she said that she doesn't. the bird doesn't trust anybody but her. Oh, but her. Yeah. Also, maybe I should be more understanding in a bigger person, regardless of who or isn't who is or isn't the jerk here. Yeah, but you come back and the bird's dead. I called my stepdaughter and I told her, I understand this is a big moment in her life, and she wants someone there to help and support her, and that I'm still willing to help her in any way I can to plan the wedding via Zoom or virtually. With, of course, and with that Zoom Zoom call, the bird in the background. <laughs> the bird will also be the on bird the call. Will, the bird will be in the shot. <laughs> uh, we ended the conversation positively, and I'm hoping things can improve going forward. I told her I'm a crazy bird lady and asked her if she still wants a relationship knowing that and she said, after the wedding, she's willing to travel to visit us if we have room, which we do. So it sounds like she's going to work this out. Well, it sounds like she's going to go to the wedding. I don't know. She's just not going to go. I, she doesn't want to spend a, a, week. a week of planning. Yeah. Yeah. I don't quite I mean, I don't it. know about asking anybody to take, if, if, if you have a full-time job, mm-hmm. to take a week off so that you can do anything. Know this. The bird has some opinions on what you should wear. <laughs> the bird does not care for that floral arrangement. It wants fresh fruit on every table. And it will be watching the ceremony via Zoom. I've made arrangements. You hear the bird during the ceremony. <laughs> Just squawking. When it gets to the point of anyone having any objections... I'm FaceTiming. <laughs> FaceTiming. If anyone sees a reason why this man and woman should not be joined in holy matrimony... That's your... That's your cue. That's your cue. That's your cue. Oh, wow. That, that macaw has said some very hurtful things. I understand it's been abused, but... Do they still do Rain that? In your do bird, they do man. that during weddings anymore? They don't do that anymore. Of course do they? they do. If anyone has had any reason to to object to this wedding, yeah, that's still a thing. That's still in the verbiage. Yes. Is it? Yes. I mean, it's been a while since I've been to a wedding, but the whole "speak now or forever hold your peace" that's yeah. still a thing. Are you sure about that? Yes. Yes, they have to ask. Well, no, they don't have to. I think they do. I think that they, they have to make sure no, that they don't. They're nobody's... All, if you've already signed... I mean, it's a ceremony. If you've already signed everything, it's already over, isn't it? It's already, it's already legally well, binding. Well, but it, the, the point is, this is a, the larger context of a marriage is it's a union of families. And if there's a reason why it shouldn't happen... I mean, this goes back to like the 12th century. Well, they, I'm not saying... They I, absolutely I, I have to do it. I understand they used to do it. I'm just mm. asking if it's, it's still something people yes. have in the ceremony. Yes. I think that they... Well, yes. Sure. 
is anybody, anybody I don't, been I don't, to a wedding lately? I don't think they say speak now or forever hold your peace anymore. Yeah. What but they, they I think they say if anyone knows of a reason why this shouldn't they shouldn't play. happen. Oh, I got I know plenty of reasons, but I'm not gonna <laughs> I know I I do. I mean, I don't care. I'm not going to air them, you know, but yeah. I got I know plenty of reasons why it shouldn't happen. <laughs> so that's what you pull. <laughs> should anyone present know of any reason that this couple should not be joined in holy matrimony? Absolutely. Cha! 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 I could I don't even know these people. And I yeah, cha. <laughs> Graham, do you have any objections to this wedding? <laughs> cha. Graham, man, like Graham and Dan. Okay, Graham, we get it. I'm just here with a friend. But yeah, Cha. I know why this shouldn't happen. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. I didn't think it'd be like this. I have to confess that was not as weird as I thought it was going to be. In fact, having listened to it all now, it makes a lot of sense. I thought you said it was going to be funny. I said it would be en- entertaining. Okay. I guess it was maybe that. It was both. That was Dave and Darren's top five things. Why are you so hard on us? Huh? We're doing great. Someone has to be. Until we get a chance to do this for you again. Hang loose, kooks. And you stay classy and safe, Quad Cities. Come on, Quad Cities, represent. This is for the Quad Cities record spot. Davin Ford, yeah, we keeping it locked. Rock out, come on. And it just don't stop. East Moline, yeah, they keeping it hot. Vaya, con Dios. Show's over. Good night. Good night, everybody. Stand clear of the closing doors, please.